Well, I want to open us up today by reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 1. We've been following the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth in this series, and uh, yet this is Christmas Sunday, so we wanted to take a moment to talk a little bit about uh, the Christmas story as Mary's story and Zechariah's story start to overlap a lot in the text that we'll look out this week. So this is, this is Mary's version of her encounter with an angel in Luke chapter 1. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God can ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. I was thinking this this year as I was uh, resonating in the Christmas story and studying Luke chapter 1 that that's part of the human condition. Sometimes we get so excited about things that are coming in the future that we forget to rest in God's presence in the present. And, and this is the truth with Christmas 2020, like no other Christmas I've ever experienced. And my wife and I, a few weeks ago, decided it was time to start planning our Christmas card to go out. And honestly, as we were thinking about this project, we started feeling like we didn't really want to send out a Christmas card in 2020. It just didn't feel like a banner year, didn't feel like a time to celebrate, and yet at the same time, the tension was that Christmas cards are one of those things that remind us of hope and remind us of joy and remind us of Jesus and remind us of Christmas. And so we decided that as much as 2020 doesn't feel like a celebrating year, we're going to send out our Christmas card. And so we jumped online and started just sticking our family photo on a bunch of different cards. We clicked on the Christmas section just to find one that kind of fit the parameters and finally settled on one where our family looked good and the kids were smiling and and sent it to the printers. And it wasn't until after we clicked the ship button and I started wondering, what was it that we actually wrote on our Christmas card? Right? I couldn't remember. Was it season's greetings? Hopefully not. Was it happy holidays? I hope not. Was it happy Hanukkah? Uh-oh. Right? What did it say? I remember cr- clicking the Christmas section. I remember finding one that felt like it was a good sentiment for this year, but I ha- for the life of me could not remember what we actually put on our Christmas card. And so I dug through the files. I pulled it up. And to my discomfort, I realized that our Christmas card had nothing to do with Christmas, 
you can read it if you get it, or if you want to email me, I'll send you a picture of it. Nothing to do with Jesus, no Bible verse, no even season's greetings, right? All it said on our Christmas card was some generic statement like, see you next year, or looking forward to 2021, or something that was not Christmassy at all. You know, so we had to kind of reboot and write some notes and put them in the Christmas cards and actually turned out pretty cool to be able to give our friends and family a Bible verse and tell them about Jesus and all that. But at the same time, there's this weird juxtaposition in our envelopes where you can see us wanting to celebrate Christmas. But at the same time, what's on our minds, obviously, is that we just want 2020 to be over. We want 2021 to begin. We want this new season to begin. We want the future to become, to become reality because the present hasn't been great. You know, this morning uh, at church, our nine o'clock service, we had all these technical issues. Like sound wasn't working. Our website went down. All this stuff was happening. And kind of the general sentiment as we talked to each other trying to figure out what was going on was kind of, this is 2020, right? It just everything crashes and burns all the time, right? And God does great things in the midst of it. I was thinking about our sights and sounds of Christmas outreach. Uh, our crew and our volunteers and our staff and everyone has had to like pivot seven times in the midst of this, recreating it, recreating it, reorchestrating it, redesigning it, changing everything as the county restrictions keep changing. And God, yes, does beautiful things. We're going to have an amazing video we can send out all over the world this week. But at the same time, it seems like the theme of 2020 is that everything keeps crashing and burning. And so we need the future. We need hope. We need Jesus like never before. You know, maybe you're in a place right now where your life is just crashing and burning or <laughs> You just want the future to come because you're sick of the present. Or maybe you've been wrestling with this whole Christianity thing and you're not a follower of Jesus. You don't know about any of this, but you tuned in because it's Christmas and you're just longing for things to change in this world. And I'm here to tell you that the, the message of Christmas is that change is coming. And yet as I thought about this text this week and I thought about kind of the year that we've had, and I thought about the future that's around the corner, the question that kept coming into my mind for us this week was, are you really ready for the future to come? <laughs> really? Well, last week I was sitting in church listening to Pastor Larry speak, and if you missed it, it was an amazing message last week. You can jump online and listen to it, but he was just sharing this offhanded comment about COVID-19. He said something along the lines of, we're all waiting for COVID to be over. We're all excited for the vaccine. We're all ready for this world to thaw out and normal to come back again, but Larry said, there's no promises. He said, what if the vaccine doesn't work? What if the COVID mutates? And as he's saying this, I felt like I was sweating and thinking, no, 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 no. Right? I've decided that this is almost over. This can't go on. The, the future has to come. But as Larry said that, I started realizing that, that even as much as I talk about how much I want the future to be here, how much 2021 is going to be different, there's no guarantees. December 31st to January 1st is just a turning of the page of the calendar. There's nothing spectacular or miraculous or magic about the calendar change. So there's no guarantee the future's getting any brighter anytime soon. There's a chance it's going to get worse. There's a chance it's going to stay the same. There's a, a chance it's not going to be the same as it was before. 
I was thinking this week as I was wrestling with this concept of the future coming and change being on the horizon that most of us, when we talk about the future coming, we're actually not talking about the future. We're talking about the past coming back, right? When I talk about the future coming, I say things like, I can't wait till we can go to church again. I can't wait till I can hang out with my friends again. I can't wait till I can go back to restaurants again. I can't wait until I can do the things I used to do again. And I pretend like I'm describing the future. But really what I'm longing for is a return of the past. And yet one of the things that we see as we look at all of the scriptures is that God never moves backwards. He only moves forwards. So the future is coming, whether we're ready or not. And the reason I bring up this idea of the future being a little bit tenuous and scary is two reasons. Number one, because I think a lot of us are scared to walk into the future. And number two, because I feel like this season of COVID-19 in 2020 has made me look at the scriptures in a different way. And so when I look at Mary and I look at Joseph and I look at Zechariah and I look at Elizabeth, I don't merely see these bright-eyed people who are so excited about God's edict on their lives. I see something that I rarely saw before. I see people receiving word from the Lord that the future is coming and them responding with a mix of skepticism and fear and terror about what God says he's about to do. So, so wherever you are in the present, whatever you're hoping for in the future, as we look at the Christmas story today and we look at these encounters that the angels had with Zechariah and with Mary, I want to encourage you to kind of drop your guard for a minute. Relax, right? Shake it out. Take a deep breath and put your present into the hands of God. Tell God, you know what, God, whatever you have for me in the future, let me just focus on the word you have for me right now, and let's learn how we can connect together in the present and start to walk forward together into the future. So today, in our scriptures, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, And we're going to bounce back and forth between the passage I read with Mary and the angel and the passage that we've been going through in the series of Zechariah's encounter with the angel, both in Luke chapter 1, just a couple paragraphs away from each other. So we're going to start with uh, Luke chapter 1. Just open it up to that whole chapter. Now, I remember when I was uh, first came to faith, I would read passages like this, and it would fill me with longing. I would see these men and women in the scriptures having these encounters with God that were life-changing and world-altering. And I remember coming before the Lord and praying, God, why don't you show up in my life that way? God, I've got big prayers. Why won't you answer my big prayers? God, I would love to meet you like an angel right in my face. I would love to hear from you that you've got plans for my life. I would love to have a spectacular, miraculous encounter with you that leaves me unmistakably changed. That would be so cool. And yet when I read the passages of the scriptures, I, I see that for the characters who experienced it at the time, I don't think they would have described their encounters as cool. (laughs) They looked a little bit more terrified. It's true. Zechariah, we've talked about this, was longing for God to show up. Him and his wife Elizabeth had been praying for years and years and years that they could have a child of their own. And yes, God showed up in Luke chapter 1 and said, your wife will give birth to a child. Yes, it's a beautiful, miraculous answer to prayer. It's unmistakably the movement of God in their lives. And at the same time, as they encountered God in the present and they heard about his future, 
Zechariah's initial response was one of terror and skepticism. He doesn't say, thank you, Lord. Instead, Zechariah in verse 18 says, God, how can I be sure of this? He says, I'm old, and my wife is well along in years. God, we've been praying for a long time for a baby, but that ship has sailed. My wife is well beyond the age where women are able to give birth to children. God, I hear you saying the future is coming, but I can't imagine the mechanics of how it's going to work. God, I, I have a hard time trusting you even when you send an angel to my life because what you're saying the future will look like is so out of my ballpark. I, I don't know if I can believe it. How can I be sure? Mary has a similar response. We read that earlier when the angel comes into her life. She says, how will this be? Right? She's on the other side of the spectrum. Elizabeth was too old to have children. Mary, in a sense, was too young in the sense of she's saying, I I'm a virgin. I have no husband. There's no man in my life where we're at a place where a baby is in our future, God. I hear you saying that I will give birth to a child, but I don't understand how your future is going to come into my life here in the present, God. I I'm skeptical. How will this be? You know, 2,000 years later, I, I know that God is not showing up in our lives with the same amount of gravity, right? You're not being called to give birth to the Savior of mankind, like Mary. You're not being called to have a miraculous birth at 60, 70, 80 years old, right? That's not the issues that we're dealing with. But at the same time, I am convicted that when God does show up in our lives in the present, we tend to have the same type of skepticism as all the people who encounter God in the Scriptures. And if God comes to you and says, hey, just trust me, just just stay in this for a little longer. The future is going to get better. A lot of times in your skepticism, you can come before the Lord and say, God, how can I be sure? I thought COVID was going to end by Easter. I thought this was all going to be over by the fall. I'm starting to get jaded. God, are you sure that the future is going to be bright? Or maybe you're someone who's not a believer, and yet God has been kind of drawing you to himself and encouraging you to follow him. Maybe you've got some friends who've been encouraging you to start following Jesus, start encountering him in your daily routine, and yet you're a little bit skeptical because as God is telling you, I've got plans for your life. You're saying, God, how can that be? God, I've lived so long this way. How can I turn over a new leaf at this point? God, I've got a reputation that precedes me. How will people ever believe me if I tell them I'm a follower of Jesus? God, how can I go to my family and tell them I believe in you when my whole life has looked like this, or I've said this, or they've had this posture towards Christian people? God, I, I hear you calling me to yourself. I hear you saying there's a future in my future with you. But how can this be? How can I be sure of this? Some of you know what's coming in the future. You're looking at the year to come, and you see that there's a, a treatment plan in your future, or there's end-of-life issues in your future, or there's a celebration in your future, a graduation in your future, or a life transition in your future, or a calling in your future, and you see that it's getting closer and closer and closer, and you're starting to ask these questions of the Lord, God, how am I going to do this? I hear you saying what the future will hold, but I am not equipped to walk into it. I can't imagine what that's going to look like. God, I hear you, but it's not going to happen. I'm having a hard time trusting you in this moment when you tell me that the future's coming. I look at the present, and I look at my circumstances, and I look at the season, and God, I have a hard time believing that your future is going to be 
the way you say it's going to be. You know, I love the angel Gabriel's answer uh, to Zechariah. As Zechariah comes and says, how is this even possible? This is what Gabriel says. This is his response. How is it possible? I am Gabriel, he says. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Right? A lot of times when we're wrestling with God, we forget he's God. And the same thing kind of happens with Mary. She says, how will this be? And God says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and the power of the Most High, or this Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So as even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her age, her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God can ever fail. And if you're looking at your Bible right now, you can circle those last words. For no word from God can ever fail. Now the truth is that if you're someone who's wrestling with whether or not you can trust God's plans for your future, you can write this down. If God calls you into something new, he can do it. If God calls you into something new, he can do it, right? Note that I didn't say if God calls you into something new, you can do it. What Mary realizes is that if God wants her to have a baby, he can give her a baby. What Zechariah realizes is that if God wanted to give his wife in her old age a child in her womb, he could do it. He is the God who created all things. He is the God who breathed the universe into existence. He's the God who turned dust into a human being, who turned a rib into a woman, who created everything from nothing. And if that that God can do all that, then that same God can do whatever he tells you he wants to do in your life. If God says he's going to do something new in the next year, he can do it. If God says he wants you to become a Christian, he can do it. If God says he's going to transform some aspect of your life, he can do it. God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. God can do it. I was struck last week by that story that Larry told of the woman in our church who, if you missed it, I'll give you the really brief version. She was at a dark place in life, was thinking about taking her own life, and God called her to himself through prayer. And God put her on her, on her feet. God lifted her back up. God turned her family around. God equipped her for life. And, and Larry mentioned last week that God had recently called her and her husband and kids to go move to a new place. And I got to dive a little bit more into that story this week, and I found out that this couple that Larry was talking about uh, has sensed a calling from the Lord to go and minister to a people group, a, a, a Cambodian community in the Houston, Texas area. And they didn't know what that was going to look like. They didn't know exactly the mechanics of it. They just had this overwhelming sense from the Lord that he was calling them into that place. And as I heard that story, and I kind of tracked God's work from that moment of suicidal thoughts to now this moment of missionary calling, the thought that just kept going through my mind is that God's going to do it. If God calls them to do this, he's going to do it. God can do whatever he says he can do. Whatever hope he gives, he can do it. Right, one of the biggest things we learn in this Christmas story is that God can do anything when sin has a problem. God can step into this own planet and resolve it himself. When God sees us struggling, he can write himself into our story. If God sees the world has gone astray, he himself can step in and change the tides of history. He can do it. 
Do you believe that God can do the thing that he says he can do in your life? That God can give you a hope? God can give you a future? God can give you a calling? Give you a mission? That he can forgive your sins? That he can clean you up? That he can give you new friends? That he can change your life? That he can change your trajectory? That he can give you a job? Do you believe that God can do the thing that God is saying he wants to do? I think the first obstacle a lot of us face is that we don't believe that God can really do the things that he's placed in front of us. Yet I understand that for a lot of us, right, especially if you've been a Christian for a while, we don't really have a hard time believing that God can do stuff, right? We know he can't do it. Some of the bigger fear factor comes from the fact when God says, I'm going to do this. Right? I noticed in the Zechariah story, Zechariah doesn't really have a choice, right? It's not like a, hey, Zechariah, I need you to take a vote. Do you want me to change your life or not? Mary doesn't have a vote. It says the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's like, this is going to happen, right? So if you wrote down that God can do it, that's true. But the scarier thing is sometimes we need to realize that if God has a plan for your life, God will do it. Some of you have been running from God's plan for a long, long time, and you feel like he's tracking you down, and he's dragging you into relationship with himself, and it's terrifying because you know deep in your heart that if God wants you to know him, he can do it. He will do it. Some of you know the future is coming, and you're starting to catch a glimpse of what God says is on the horizon, and your question is not, God, can you do this? It's this fear of, God, I'm scared you're going to do this. I'm scared you want to use me, and you will use me to reconcile my family. I'm scared that you will use me to have hard conversations next year. I'm scared you will use me to have a conversation about Jesus with someone next year. God, I, I sense that you're calling me into this, and I'm terrified because I'm scared that at some point, I'm going to have no choice because you're going to bring the future right to my face. And you're going to do the thing that you've been telling me you want to do for a long, long time. And I look at this text and I see Zechariah who hears that God's about to do something amazing in his life. I see Mary who, who hears that God's about to do something amazing in her life and and I can't imagine what it would feel like to be them, to, to be Mary, thinking about, okay, on one hand, I get to give birth to the Messiah. On the other hand, I'm going to earn the shame in my community of being an unwed mother, a teenage single mom, right, of the scandal with Joseph. And I'm going to have to carry that burden for the rest of my life. And even when Mary is after she gives birth to Jesus and they're in the temple a few chapters later Simeon comes to Mary and talks about how amazing Jesus is going to be he says this son of yours is going to cause the rise and the fall of many human beings and then Simeon looks at Mary and says a sword will pierce your own soul also this part that you have to play in God's plan is going to be hurtful in some sense to you and Zechariah, as he hears this word from the Lord, and he's not trusting that what God is saying that is going to happen is going to happen, the angel tells him, Zechariah, because you did not believe my message, you will be mute until the day it happens. So Zechariah had to endure this season, this nine-plus-month season, without having the ability to speak, just watching as God brought his future into his life. I think about these passages and wonder, okay, what's the meaning of this Christmas story? It's obviously the Christmas message is not that God's going to shoehorn you into something next year. Obviously the Christian message is not that God's going to push his agenda onto your life. 
The message of Christmas is a beautiful one about hope and life and light piercing the darkness. I think we can catch a glimpse of what God's trying to do when we look at the language that he uses around this message. When he he tells Mary, you're going to have this child and you're going to take part in my beautiful future, he says, and I want you to call the child Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Even Zechariah, when I picture his story and the way that he had to navigate this Uh, silence, being unable to speak for month after month after month. I picture Zechariah just having to watch with his own eyes God's will unfolding before him as God's presence comes into his household, as God makes his wife pregnant in this miraculous way, as God brings them the child. Zechariah gets to see that God has been with them and God is bringing his will to bear. I think the Christmas message is, is nothing along the lines of God forcing himself into your life. I think the Christmas message is something more along the lines of God's imminency with us. And I think Christmas reminds us that God has come to be with us and to walk with us into the future he is creating for us. And Christmas tells us that, that God is with us. And 2,000 years ago, God stepped onto this planet in the person of Jesus to be with his people. And he didn't just come and then disappear again, but he walked with us. Jesus walked with Mary. He walked with the disciples. He walked the roads that we walk. He walked in the struggles we have. Jesus experienced everything that we experience as human beings except without sin. And then even when Jesus went to the cross, he went for us in our place to help us avoid the pain and suffering of sin. He came to sit with us and to die for us so that we could be with him in eternity. I was thinking about Mary this week and that line that the sword would pierce her own soul also. And I was thinking about that moment in Mary's life where she would have to have her soul pierced by that sword, seeing her son dying on that cross in front of her very eyes. And I realized that in that moment, when Mary is experiencing the darkest time of her life and her present is just abysmal, and Jesus is right there with her, suffering for her. And even God is suffering worse than she is in that moment. Now, God knows the world we live in. God came to be with us and save us. God was sent to change this place by abiding with his people. We see that over and over again in the story, that God came to be with his people and usher them into the future he had planned for them. And so my question for you, as you step into this Christmas season yourself, is will you relax? Can you do this? Will you relax? Let God into your life and commit to walking into the future with him. This idea of being with God is one that's all over the place in the New Testament. I remember a season in my own life where I was struggling with what God's plans were for my future and how to navigate my present in light of the calling he had given me. And I remember feeling like the Lord was telling me, Danny, you know the way to the future that I planned for you. And it felt like John 14, if you ever read that chapter, and I'm saying, God, I have no idea what the future holds. I don't know what you're calling me to. How do I know the way? And I was reminded of Jesus' words in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
This idea of Jesus being with us and walking with us is plastered throughout all of the pages of the gospel. Even when Jesus, before he ascends into heaven and he commissions us, he says, go change the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I love the posture that we see of Mary when she receives this word from the angel that she's going to give birth to Jesus. You see her kind of relax in the midst of the skepticism and terror, and she just comes before the Lord and says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. I, I don't know where you are, as 2020 comes to a close. I don't know where you are sitting as Christmas happens this year. Maybe you're terrified of the future. Maybe you don't know what the next year brings. Maybe God has already given you a glimpse of what he has next for you and you're wrestling with it. I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, if God is calling you into something, he can do it. And even if you're scared that God will do the thing he's called you to do, know that when God works in your life to bring you into the future, He's not going to kick you off a cliff. He wants to go with you. My, my challenge for you this year is to experience Christmas with Jesus. Right? Don't, don't just tag Jesus into your Christmas experience. Don't just open your presents and think, oh yeah, I forgot about Jesus, and then let's pray that Jesus is with us. So let's read the Christmas story and go back to it. See what you can do this year to step into Christmas morning saying, God, I want to walk into this day with you. Now, what do you have for me as I open presents with my family or with my kids or with my spouse or with someone that I love? God, what do you have for me as I connect on Zoom with my grandmother? God, what is it that you want to do with me today? Let's start learning how to walk in the message of Christmas, which is that God has a future for us, and yet he's not sending us there to go out it alone. He wants to go with us. Will you walk with the Lord? into the year to come. And if you're somebody who, who's not a believer in Jesus and you're kind of seeing that he's calling you into this future on the other side where you're with him and you have no idea how to get there, we can start that even right now, right? We could take a moment as we pray at the close of this time and say, God, I know you're calling me to be with you and I don't know what to do. God, help me take my first step with you. And so if that's you today, as we pray, I'll lead you in a prayer where you can step into life with Jesus and I really want to underscore it's with Jesus, not for Jesus, not because of Jesus, not to get God off your back, but with Jesus. So let's pray. Let's close our time in the text today in prayer.